Thank you for listening to Return to Roots Mildevet Resource Podcast, where we document our shared experiences, stories, and transitioning and reintegrating from the military to the community. For more information, go to mill2vet.com. If you have little ears, ensure you listen to the content before you allow them to listen. And if you are in crisis and homelessness, suicide ideations, or incarceration, dial 211 Courage to Call for assistance. Now, stand by for the sound of freedom. So first, let me introduce this little guy right here. Chris knows who he is. He's famous, internet famous. This is my dog that I got, Pietro, before I retired. And then the other one, she's around here somewhere probably doing something she should not be doing because I'm occupied. But, okay, so tell me, so back to me. Um, so um, so I did 20, uh, name is uh, Luther Carter. Um, uh, I did uh, 23 years in the Navy, joined in 1998. Um, before that, I, I had graduated high school. I was 20 years old when I graduated. So when I tell you life was happening to me as a teenager, as a child, um, you know, uh, you know, nothing about my childhood or my teenagehood was conducive to, you know, you being able to go to skill school and really focus on getting an education. Um, so long story short, um, I've got, um, uh, you know, graduated high school at the age of 20, super embarrassed, you know, had having to walk across the stage as a grown man <laughs> to get your diploma with a bunch of, you know, 17 and 18 year olds. But, hey, I was just glad that that was over. But I also knew that if I didn't make a decision about my life, that it was going to be over. Um, and I think one of the things that catapulted me into, um, you know, making the decision to join the Navy is the little friends that I did have. Um, they were moving on. When they graduated um, high school, they were moving on. They, you know, so me just that, that kind of made me think, okay, they're all gone. I'm not going to have nothing here. This job at McDonald's is not it. Um, because I see what it does to people who have been here for five to 10 years. Um, you know, uh, and what I mean by people, people who have not moved up. So don't get me wrong. I have some great friends who, um, uh, you know, started at McDonald's and they are managers, you know, they're district managers and they're doing great things that I still keep in touch with. I'm not talking about them. This, but um, uh, so long story short, joined the Navy. And then, you know, just like you, it's like, you know, you know, one minute you're like, yeah, I'm going to make a career. And then the next minute you, you you decide to reenlist and then you say, oh, I'm getting out after this. And then, you know, next, you know, 10 years just pops up and then you're like, OK, you know, I've already been in this, you know, this relationship for 10 years. Might as well just see it through. But uh, so that's pretty much me in a nutshell. So I'll just kind of just pause there um, uh, because um, I do would like to talk about a little bit about my education journey because it was not an intentional. It was not intention. Me being coming Dr. Carter was not on the list of the to-do list. The only thing that was on my to-do to live to-do list while I was in the Navy was survive. That was the only thing that was on the list. So survive and that's it. So the education was not on the to-do list ever. 
it was not even a a, 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 a thing to think about. Because, you know, when you graduate high school at the age of 20, you know, you probably, you know, you think, hey, you know, maybe college is not for me. So, yeah. Yeah, that must have been pretty hard to um, graduate like that. And I, I understand being in an environment where people around you just stay down mm -hmm. all the time. And brother, my my uh, recruiter, Alvin Lewis, who I talk to still to this day, um, he's one of the uh, biggest influences that helped me course correct and become the man I am today because that that guy straight up saved me from probably ending up homeless bum. Yeah. Straight yeah. up. Yeah. So, you know, my career in the Navy, I mean, I was a pretty good AZ too. I'm just going to be, just put it out there. You know, I, was, uh, I think you had some competition, bro. <laughs> you know, I was uh, you know, cause you know, um, I, I'll put it to you like this when I'm, uh, my time went out. Cause uh, so I did, I started my career out at Oceana, right? So jet noise, F-14s, F-18s all day long. Then I went to AMD Norfolk. I did okay there, but you know, I, I, I think I spent too much time fighting with my peers than I did anything else. Um, I don't know if you know Ethan Clark. But, um, you know, shout out to Ethan Clark's family. He was an AZC, um, passed away uh, a couple of weeks ago to uh, um, cancer. Um, so I, he, him and we knew each other as AZ2s. Um, and so um, anyway, uh, we, uh, you know, started my career, career out on the East Coast. But then I got these so-called so badass orders to uh, VQ2 in Road to Spain. So I just knew I was about to live my best life until I came in one day. And I had heard rumors that in a couple of years, okay, a couple of years from the time that I put my plant my roots in, in, in Spain, that they were going to do a home port change to Whitby. So I was like, okay, that's not bad, you know. Man, please, I walked in one day and my my LPO, who is a master chief at now, um, Jerome Polk, said, Carter, I got some good news. And I said, what is the good news? He said, um, you're not going to have to worry about traveling overseas. You All you have to do is travel to Whitby. And I was like, how the F is that good news? There's nothing good about that. So long story short, you know, I get to Whitby, complete culture shock. Okay. All right. It was a complete culture shock. But it forced me to be able to relate and get along with people that are not like me, that don't think like me, and don't look like me. Um, so, you know, I, I, I learned to appreciate the, the Pat Norwest, um, but that's where I thrived as an AZ too, you know, still couldn't make work first class for shit, but you know, you know, you know, as far as learning my job, that's where I thrived and, you know, became the superstar. And thankfully, you know, out of that tour, you know how it is, you know, you need as many EPs as you can to make AZ one. So, yeah. I, so yeah. I finally, so when I got to San Diego, long story short, you know, took the first class exam, I was on transfer leave. And thankfully I was communicating with my sponsor and shit. Cause what I did not know is that, you know, you, that just because you're on, um, you know, PCS that that doesn't, you know, constitute you, um, uh, 
you know, taking a late exam, which is absurd to me, but whatever. So I had, you know, thankfully I put my uniform on, uh, you know, went to that cold gym, that, that gym, that, that warehouse gym that they had at the time, took the exam there. And then they didn't have all of my, my, that sheet, you know, I, uh, that's how long I've been. I don't even know the damn, the name, the name of the forms anymore. But they had the sheet that didn't have my, my, my numbers on there, but I had all my evals. So the lady no, put Scantron form. No, 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 but it's like the thing with our, I guess it's what I call our performing average. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the main sheet. That yeah, yeah, like. yeah. So I had my evals with me, all three EPs, and that put me at a 4.0. And that's kind of what did it. So long, but let me backtrack. When I was in Whidbey Island, um, that's when I kind of saw how, you know, before, you know, there was this myth that as long as you, you know, you're in the Navy, you're kind of uh, 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 protected from the the world's economy, you know, but you remember perform to serve, right? And that's when I first saw people getting their asses kicked out the Navy for nothing, just for breathing. Just, you know, it's like, you know, turning the damn Powerball and your name on it. Because that's pretty much what, I mean, people can say, People can say what they want about performing serve. That's pretty much what it was. It was a fucking lottery to decide who was going to stay in the Navy and who won. You know, I don't give a shit what they say in Washington. See, that's exactly what it was. But anyways, um, uh, that was a wake up call for me because I saw people getting kicked out from the Navy, and then at the time, you know, you know, as an AZ two or an AD two, you know, what do you really have that's going to transfer in the civilian sector? You know, if all you have is a high school diploma. So that was like my wake up call. As soon as I got to San Diego, that's when the education thing started. And I remember taking English comp and I remember just being so scared shitless because, you know, I had the last my last experience in, in school was as a 24 year old high school graduate. Um, and uh, long story short, got a B. I think it was first B that I ever got that wasn't home ec or didn't require me to dress out. And then. You know, I finished the class in the A, and then that just kind of just, you know, that's when the self-efficacy increased. So one class went to two classes, two classes went to three classes. You know, me just getting an associate's degree went to, okay, maybe I can do the bachelor's degree. You know what? I got enough time on the books here in short duty. Let me get this master's degree knocked out. So it just kind of just, you know, just kept going on and on. And then I run into, and then there's this pamphlet for a doctor in education with human resources, which what not I what what I didn't even get, but you know, just my I already knew what the fuck I wanted to do. You know, that being there, being in, you know, going to school, it kind of gave me the ideal that I don't need to hang on to on to it. Yeah, man. I I like where you uh you mentioned perform to serve uh PTS. That was that was uh crazy because they were literally kicking out like they yeah they would kick out anybody for uh just like stepping the wrong way but then they were also kicking out the all stars the number ones yeah. they were kicking out yeah there was no and there was no rationale and yeah. then the thing that got me okay ERB happened but then as soon as ERB you're talking about you're doing this force correction stuff but then you're sending out these messages these naval messages that you know, um, these naval messages that, you know, hey, we're going to give you a stipend if you terminate your shore duty early. It's like, okay, you just kicked out 3,000 sailors. 
Go get those 3,000 sailors back that you kicked out and send them to sea. Exactly. So man. that was my biggest frustration with that whole process. You know, that process right there, like, that was just like so crazy. The only reason why I survived was because I made AZ1 on that cycle. Same here. Same here. Oh, so shit. It's funny oh. because I was kicked out. I yeah. was kicked out. I was already on terminal leave. I was already had my job. I, I was contractor with Sikorsky. I was stationed in Key West when that happened. And then I picked up and then I had to wait three months for all the paperwork to get submitted for me to be able to stay in and be uh, be able to remain. And that was, uh, you know, the whole process and everything. So it was it was really fun. I was I was part of that. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was so stressful. So I had, you know, I had extended as long as I could. You know, to, you know, to, to kind of, you know, wait, you know, avoid the whole, uh, you know, reenlistment request and all of that, you know, submit because, you know, you know, you get so many extensions. So I used up all my extension. I was extended like for three years. So like when I got the orders to, 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 to California, I was like, I'll extend for, I guess, for three to four years versus doing a, a reenlistment just so I can avoid that perform to serve. But then I remember getting the perform to serve application approved and then. It was like, okay, ERB. But by that time, I was, you know, I was like maybe, you know, six months shy away from finishing my bachelor's. So I was like, you know what, if if the axe falls, so be it. You know, I, I did what I was supposed to do to prepare for this day if this day came. That, you know, watching what happened with performance service, what catapulted me into my education, you know, my my desire to pursue education. Because I knew if I would have gotten the boot as an AZ2, I'd have been probably, you know, up here at five guys, you know, making some double cheeseburgers. No, I wouldn't have been doing that. I would probably have started out GS. I, I mean, the, the the journey would have been hard, but I would have survived. Yeah. Yeah, man. No, that was that was insane, man. So um what uh so when did you get your doctor? When did you actually finish it? So when um you remember when we 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 missed each other completely um you know I got to the Nimitz and I think you you had just transferred and I remember um you know hearing a little bit about your story that you you know you 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 wanted in all your heart to make it on the Nimitz um you know with every, all the other with Team Awesome is I guess what it was called. <laughs> That actually was. That's actually what we called ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Team Awesome. And trust me, I remember Team Awesome because, you know, Adam Arnstein's a Master Chief now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and it, it was great, you know, and I, you know, um, you know, and I enjoyed being there because the energy was a complete different from what I experienced in my last command. But I, you know, so I had only heard of you by name, right? Chris Elder, Chris Elder, Chris Elder. Um, and um, I was like, you, I, I, um, when I got to the Nimitz, um, you know, the goal was to just, you know, I wanted to make single chief, but at that point I was just like, I just need to survive this aircraft tour, you know, you know, and whatever. Um, yes. but when I got, but when I got to shore duty is when I started my doctorate. So when I got back to California in 2018, is when I started working on it. And originally I was going to go to Brandon because that was like the first time that I had ever heard of getting a doctorate. 
was at Bramman University, but their classes started so late. I had I had got to San Diego in January and they weren't offering classes until April. And I'm like, that's too damn long because, you know, at that time I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go back to CMA, you know, if I make same chief, I'll make math chief or whatever. But um, no, but I started in 2018 and then finished um, during uh, the pandemic when it was supposed to end the first time, um, you know, the first time it was supposed to end. Um, and so that's, you know, so that was that was the first, you know, the you remember when they were supposedly um supposedly we're gonna open everything up and they was like, ah no, somebody got the sniffles, we gotta close everything down again. So um long story short, um I remember this vividly because it's probably you know, for me, COVID was still a good year for me because um uh we teleworked. That was the first time in 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 naval history that you know, you know, service members on shore duty were able to work from home. So I multitasked, okay. I did what any other sailor does, right? You know, utilize their free time to the fullest. So long story short, I, you know, worked on my doctorate, made sure that I gave my bosses what they needed for their job. But um, I closed on my house in um, October. And then like two weeks after I closed is when I defended my dissertation. And this was in November, 2020. And so I still had like a year left on my contract with the Navy. Um, so I was actually a full doctor. And you know what was cool? It's like, you know, I wasn't making, I wasn't requiring anybody to call me Dr. Carter at work, obviously, you know, you know, but it was really cool to see my brothers and sisters be like, what up, doc? What up, doc? The sailors knew not to call me no doc. He's still senior chief. But, you know, everybody else was like, you know, the, you know, the people in the mess were really supportive of, you know, and they were like, hey, what up, doc? So I started becoming doc you know, um, you know, in my last year. And it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I, I couldn't complain. I had no complaints at all. Even my boss, Lieutenant Commander that sat across from me, he was like, when you get your doctorate in the frame, you need to bring it to work and hang it behind you. Was that Martin? No, not that was not Martinson. Um, um, he was cool, but um, uh, it was, uh, his name was Lieutenant Commander, his name Commander Keith, James Keith. And so he was the one that said, you need to bring it and put it behind you and hang it up at work. He said, because yeah. this is a big deal. And his wife made, I remember his wife made me a cake and everything. So it was really cool, you know. Well, it sounded like you had a good one, man. There, There's some there's some great ones out there, man. Some great. Oh, you oh, talking about O's? Yeah, great commanders. Great. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, one of the things, and this is something that I never liked about the season, right? And I tried to deter it, you know, during my season is this is not the time to villainize officers and make them seem like they're just this thorn in our side. Because I used to tell, uh, you know, Chief Selects the truth. I said, the people that's going to give you the hardest problem when it comes to doing your job are these folks that are, you know, right now telling you to trust the mess. You know, I said, I said the devil and the department head is the least of your worries. I mean, in some, some, uh, some instances, I think there's outliers in every realm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. But I just, you know, one of the things I just I always just try to teach selects that, you know, you know, you know, they say don't drink the Kool-Aid. Right. Yeah. Understand that these people that are hooran right now, they're still people with flaws. You know, no. they, th these are still people with flaws. Right. They are not infallible. So you need to be able to understand that moving forward. 
And don't walk into your work center thinking that you are just going to go put the lieutenant in his corner and tell him to just type. I say you will get crushed and ate alive if you do that. You need to create a partnership. And I think that's one of the things that we fail to do in the mess is teach new chiefs how to work in partnership with your LDO or your or your ensign. Because if you want to really know why a why you have these captains and these commanders around here wanting to you know put it to a chief every chance they get is because they was treated horribly by them when they were ensigns. Well, it's just like any any kind of leader that you know that that's why we're considered leaders of leaders. We're supposed to be in them mentoring them from a different perspective than uh, than what they're normally used to getting. Usually, they're used to getting mentorship from down. You know what I'm saying? But we're right there, right next to them, underneath them, bringing them up. You know, pushing them up to right. where they yeah. And it's sometimes you're not going to have to do much, but sometimes you do have to have the ability to uh, convey a a lesson without it being uh, disrespectful. Right. You know what I'm trying to say? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think when you, I think for us, it's a little different because I think we worked with LDOs and warrants that were either prior chiefs or prior first classes. And, you know, either way, you're going to have some challenges there because um, versus, you know, someone that just came straight out of school you know, out of the Naval Academy. You know, we don't, on the aviation side, we don't get that unless they're pilots and half the time they're so busy flying, you know, and you and really, especially in our rate, right? We don't deal a lot with the ensigns, you know, versus the other, you know, chiefs in the squadrons. They, they you know, they may have that pilot that's the, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That is the divo, you know. Hey, this is your little FNG. job. I'm going to get the little FNG. No, we're not going to call them that. No, that's what their name tags say. It says "fun new guy." Okay. Well, you know, on the on the carrier, they do the well on the ship. They do the Georgian bull. Yeah, yeah, the bull. And then, which, I, which, which which is crazy to me. So, like, if they're talking about, you know, how like now, I guess with the process now, you know, how they when you enter the mess, they no longer do the, you know, hey, very very so respectfully, they they cut all of that out, right? They said that knock that shit off. You're supposed to be training chiefs. All of that foolishness, knock it off. You know, I'm just really surprised that, you know, even in the war room, that they're still having them do the George Bull, you know, thing. You know, what's the value in it? But then again, I don't really know anything about the war room culture. I really don't, you know, you know, I, I really don't. Um, so I don't want to really speak on it, but I always just thought that that was just, you know, from the outside looking in. You know, it's I always got, thought that that was pretty cool. It's got some pretty cool traditions. The bull, the bull, if they're if the, if it's done right, the bull is like the shenanigans guy. Okay, I'm not sure if you, okay. but the bull is supposed to keep. It's a it's a it's a rite of passage, right? You're the most senior ensign, so you kind of okay. also get to play play that card a little bit, and okay, that's kind of it, it's fun, but. Okay. There's a, there's a well, the way I saw it on one of my ships that I wonder the way the and it, this wasn't the Nimitz. There was actually another ship that I will not mention um um out of respect for myself. Um that um you know I just saw the way they just treated their officers and their JOs was just appalling in the wardroom. 
you know, this this mentality that, you know, because you're an ensign, you no longer you don't matter until you make lieutenant, you know. And so that's one of the things I just saw with the when they when the way they treated the Georgian bull, it was just like, ugh, this is disgusting. Yeah, I I really, really loved my opportunities that I had to work with junior officers because because it was kind of like you get a fresh fresh piece of mold, uh, molded clay. You know what the difference between a O one and an E four is? Nothing. <laughs> other one went to college, maybe, and the other one didn't. Yeah, the, and the paycheck, or or maybe the E four did go to college. More, he just got a degree in psychology, and that's why he's here. Or or the E four has more uh, has more experience than the O one. That's the difference between the two of them. Now, maturity wise, you know, they're about on the same level. Yeah, their brains are still operating, you know, the, on, on the same level. That's funny, man. So, tell, so you talked about your education experience. You talked mm-hmm. about the reason why you started it. And then you talked about why or, or what you're doing now, um, which you're a professor at what university? So I'm a professor at universities. Um, okay. So, yeah. So here's the funny thing. So um, I started out at Carolina University as an adjunct. That was like my first teaching gig um, right before I got out, um, uh, right before I retired. So literally, I got hired in March of 2021 and then started teaching in June and then like had my ceremony around that same time and all that stuff. Um, and just stayed on as an adjunct. But one of the things I realized was like, okay, this adjunct work is not consistent like I thought it was. So I was like, I need to go get, quote unquote, a real job and make some real money. So that's how I ended up with uh, uh, becoming a contractor for the Navy, which I would not recommend to any service member getting out because you're too close to the problem. Right. Too close to the problem. So you don't know how to detach and just be the person that they just need to color. You know, um, and so that was like my biggest problem right there. Wasn't trying to be the senior chief. I want to be very clear. I wasn't trying to be a senior chief. But what I was trying to do was apply my skills that I had learned through my education to try to help, you know, these processes. And it just wasn't clicking. And so I was like, I got to go. But long story short, I took on some other adjunct jobs because I needed to build up my curriculum vita, which is like a, a resume for college professors and teachers. So I'm building up my curriculum vita. So I got hired at um, Alliance. I got hired at SDSU, um, got hired at National University. Um, And so those were like my four, you know, you know, go getters. Right. Rotation, rotation, rotation. So, you know, when they say, hey, we're good here, we don't need you for this term. Something else always opened up. So I had a steady, you know, um, little source of income that did good because it did kept the, the balance on the American Express down. So, hey, I'm not complaining. <laughs> um, um, but, you know, long story short, again, I want to go back to the original comment I made. After retiring and babysitting for 23 years, I don't want to say babysitting, leading for 23 years, um, you know, out, and, and doing things outside the scope of that I feel of a leader should be doing, <laughs> um, uh, which is babysitting. Um, I said, I don't want to be in charge of no one. So I purposely would always turn down leadership positions and all that stuff. Um, but nevertheless, um, um, the provost at one of the universities I teach at offered me a position to be a dean. 
But but and because I am so passionate about this, you know, program and helping people get their PhDs, and I saw a lot of deficiencies in the program, I couldn't, I was like, you know, I have no business complaining anymore if I turn this job down, right? You know, so I took on the job and you know, we're actually starting to sue fruition. Um, so um, you know, unlike you know, my previous employments, um that required me to wear that hat that you have behind you. Um, you know, the, the changes and processes, you know, implementing change actually happens a lot faster. You know, it's still bureaucratic in some sense, but um, the communication, at least with my boss, is a little bit more organic than it is when you see in the Navy. So, which is why, you know, a lot of things that the Navy is trying to do right now, they're going to really have a hard time implementing any type of change because there's too much bureaucracy involved. Um, but but no, I that's how I ended up becoming a dean. It was just, you know, just, a, you know, I wasn't even checking for the job. The lady was watching me. She was researching me. She was going in there looking at my student reviews. Even when the students were complaining about how hard I was, she was like, okay, I can read between the lines. They hate him because he's making them, he's holding them accountable. So, you know, that's what I need. So she was kind of, you know, paying attention to me and then also how I moved my dissertation learners, you know, getting them graduated. So she offered me the position. And so, yeah, I just said, you know what, let me take a chance. Um, it, and it was actually, you know, when I signed on to be the dean, because um, it's a small university. Um, so I ended up taking like a $5,000 pay cut a year. So, yeah, but I'm, a, I'm not as stressed and this is one thing that I will give to you, Yogi, when you get ready to get out, you better choose comfort over money. You better choose comfort over money at this stage in your life. And that's what I choose. And so I, I took it was, you know, the, uh, the basically I make five thousand dollars less a year in this dean position than I did with my Navy contracting job. And it is so worth it. It is so worth it not to wake up and have my supervisor give me a three-page email vomit of information every day that has nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? You know, that if I if I express concerns about certain things, um, that I don't have to deal with any type of toxic pushback. That if, hey, if this thing cannot be doable, you know, she explains to me, hey, this is why, like the best way I can describe my relationship with my provost, my boss, is somewhat of basically of a chief petty officer LPO, like like a real chief, not someone that got an ID card with an E seven on it and a you know just happens to have some uniforms in their closet that say chief on it. But an actual real chief, you take the LPO under your wing, you teach them, you show them the right way. You when when things when they when when certain things can't be done, you explain to them, point them back to the structure, point them back to the laws. That's what she does. Or in the or in the sense of a devil relationship, right? Or devil chief relationship. So that's kind of how our relationship is, right? You know, where you know when I'm talking to her about things and going over things that I would like to do or concerns, she just explains to me, hey, whether we do, whether we can or can't do this, and then she say, hey, well, let's get on the call. I need to discuss this with you. So I'll give a perfect example. I had an incident where I had a person was accused of academic dishonesty. And so we went back and forth in emails for a while. And she said, hey, let's talk because I think I can explain this better or the process. So she just explains to me the processes. So I've been in the position um, since July. 
And I do not regret it, not one bit, not one bit, not one bit at all. I, I you know, and I, if anything that I can offer to um, veterans out there, choose the, choose the comfort over the money. Now, I'm not saying, you know, let them pay you pennies. But what I'm saying is, you know, um, be intentional about the job, the type of job that you pick. Pick, be intentional about um, what you, you know, want to do um, as far as, because here's the thing, when we're, when we are in, it's hard to protect our peace. Our peace is at the mercy of what what the what what the what the what you know the you know the government's mission is what you know the captain's vision is and you know it, it, it is no fault to them right because we signed up we raised our right hand we said I do you know solemnly swear to you know I can't remember the oath anymore again when I when I did that though but we basically we said we volunteer to be told what to do we volunteer to be inconvenienced we volunteer that we're gonna get our asses chewed sometimes when shit don't get right we volunteer that we're going to get these fucking phone calls in the middle of the night where we got to get out of our bed to go deal with some shit. We volunteer for all of that. And so I don't begrudge any of that, you know, experience, right? Because that's what I said I'll fucking do for 23 years every time I sign that piece of paper. But what I'm saying is now that you're retired, you got to make that mental shift and say, fuck it. I'm going to protect my peace. And... No amount of money is worth it. And I'll give you an example, right? There was a gentleman that worked at my uh, job um, at when I was at CNAP. God bless him. I think he retired a captain, went directly into working as a GS employee. And I remember he was probably well in his 70s. Okay, 70s. He had to have been in his 70s. Um, and I remember sometimes leaving at, you know, three, four o'clock and he's still fucking there working. And then on some days when I had duty, he was still there. Long story short, he ended up being diagnosed with cancer and was still working and getting treatments. Then lo and behold, like maybe a few months after he um, retired, he died. So he pretty much worked until he died. And so if any advice I'll give to a veteran is out there, don't work until you fucking die. You know, so. Yeah, man, I I, I could totally dig that, you know, right now I'm in a phase where I'm learning my new job and there's some, there's some times where it's like, man, it's just sometimes where it's like really painful, man, because the old, I, I'm still kind of learning my new role. Right. You, you know? Yeah. So let me ask you this. Are you, are you still tied to the Navy in this new role? Oh no, man. Okay, so that's a good thing. So you're doing a hell of a lot better than I did. Um <laughs> I fucking retired. I mean, I went right back to the fucking Navy as a contractor. But um okay, so how much is this is this a remote job or are you going in commuting? Oh, it's it's remote. Um okay. go in occasionally. You know, it's it's kind of working at my own schedule, but it's kind of learning. You know, it's essentially like creating my own business. Okay. And it's just, it's challenging. Yeah. And so it's not necessarily that I chose comfort. It's that I chose to do what I've always wanted to do. Right. 
And what I mean by comfort, let me elaborate on that, right? Um, a lot of what I times I see, especially with people who retire as, you know, in the khaki realm, you know, there's some that still want to be able to be in fucking charge, right? They still want to be in charge and they will lose their minds to make sure that they're still in charge and some type of, you know, being the boss of something. And for me, you know, when I say I chose comfort, I knew I needed a break from people. So let me let me let me put some context when I said I chose comfort. I needed a break from people. You know, I needed a break from people. I needed a break from giving people guidance. I needed a break from giving people mentorship. You know, to include people that were working on their dissertations, I had to take a break from that because while I was actually going through my dissertation, I was still helping, you know, bring people along and 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 push them. And so the whole top experience was exhausting, you know. So once I retired, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna, you know, do this consulting thing. I just want to focus on adjuncting. Um, and then do this ready, relevant learning thing, you know, with the Navy and just keep it, keep it pushing, just keep it pushing. So when I say comfort, I'm just saying I just needed a break from people and their problems. So that's why I was done. I was done. So when I could, and I'll tell you what did it for me. I was in Santa Monica, Santa Monica in July. I come back from leave and I get email vomits from my supervisor talking about, you know, doing a workshop in Texas in August. I was like, yeah, I'm done. Because I don't like the whole abrupt travel. Like, for example, so like with my job that I have right now, I get, you know, I know that I need to be on campus twice a year for commencement and then to facilitate PhD residency, right? You know, so those are the two times that I'm required to be on campus. Um, and but with them, it was like, OK, you have these abrupt, you know, those notifications that you need to go facilitate a workshop. I'm like, who does that? And yeah. so and so my supervisor was like, well, you know, it is in your contract to travel. And I said, say less. You know, so I went back to my provost and said, hey, is that position for full time dean still on the table? Because I want to take it. I will take $5,000 less to have to deal with this. Yes. Yes. What, what kind of resources did you use while you were transitioning, man? Okay. So one of my biggest regrets, my biggest regrets was not taking enough advantage, advantage of Navy cool. That was like my biggest regret right there because I used Navy cool once and that was to get my APHR um, uh, certification associate, uh, professional and human resources in retrospect, in retrospect, I should have been taking a, a certification exam once a year, at least. Cause Navy cool was around when I was a second class petty officer. So what the fuck was I thinking, you know, not taking this, uh, taking advantage of this, this, this certification, I mean, this Navy cool. So, that's one resource that I will tell every Navy, uh, every vet, because if it's Army cool, Marine cool, Air Force cool, uh, Coast, I don't know, Coast Guard got a cool because, you know, it's the Coast Guard. But, um, uh, but um, you know, take advantage of all that free shit that the military is giving you to become certified. 
Because if I'm not mistaken with Nate with with the Navy Cool program, you can take a lot of you can uh, uh, test out on a lot of those uh, trade certifications. You can test you can. out test on yeah. all that shit. So like I have a friend, um, a, a, a friend, um, he's an MA. He wants to be a cop when he gets out. And I'm like, well, go on Navy Cool and see what kind of you know MA, you know Navy Cool shit they got going on. And you know besides U.S. Maps. You know, which I don't really see. Which I find interesting about U.S. Maps is I don't really see a lot of people putting that shit on their resume. Like, hey man, I'm a computer operator, man. Computer operator. So it's, it's funny because listen, uh, you know, I wish I could be a fly on the wall when the Master Chiefs are sitting the board and they're looking at all our certificates and shit. Like the fuck it, get them, get it out of here. You know, but um, no, it's points they have to grade regardless of their per- personal preference. But no, just taking advantage of the Navy cool shit. Like I should have had like 20 certifications um, because here's the thing about having a doctorate. Okay. And I want to be very clear about this. You know, having a doctorate is good. um, It's great. It's wonderful. But I also believe that employers also look at other shit like, you know, project management, scrum master, um, stuff like that. Um, You know, uh, black belt, so regardless of what your level of education is, get those types of certifications, get the scrum master, get the project management, show that you are familiar with agile project management um, and, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, uh, and, 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 and as much as people love to gravitate to PMI, the Project Management Institute, there are actually other um, uh uh associations or you know institutions out there that will give you a project management certification uh so there's the institute of project management and you can go through dol coach for that to get uh their basic project management certification uh there's a uh, star six sigma uh leadership they do uh, uh pro- provide um uh you know black belt because they're credited by the uh council of uh, uh lean six sigma i'm messing these uh acronyms up right now, but they also provide scrum master training. So I tell people all the time, get, you know, even if you don't finish your degree, right? Let's say you got, you know, a few credits left or whatever, or you just getting ready to start. Because some people realistically, let's be honest, some of our brothers and sisters are in these C intense rates. These C intense ass rates like ABH or, you know, engineering, where they just don't have that time because you know every it, you know there's no short duty, so they got to go back to see. When you get a fucking breather, you go and you take these um um you know go you know get a project management certification, go get a black belt certification. You know um there are cost efficient certifications out there. Go on Navy Cool and download those forms, fill that out, take the test because the last thing you want, and this is no disrespect. Um, but you don't want to transition out the military and the only thing you have on your resume is just a high school diploma. You need to avoid that at all costs. So even if you don't have the college degree, black belt, like I, I got a friend of mine, he grabbed, he, he, um, he didn't get, he didn't, he didn't finish the degree when he got out. He didn't even start until now, but he got like an ass ton of certifications. And so that got him in the door, you know, being a, you know, a GS employee, uh, you know, so that's um, one of the, you know, uh, 
things that I would definitely offer, uh, you know, as a resource is making sure that you are using Navy Cool and every other like certification out there. Um, one of the things I will also say when you go to tap class, you know, the things that you really, really need to pay attention to, the things that you really, 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 really need to pay attention to is that VA claims. And I want to be very clear about something. There are some people out there that quote unquote will, you know, help you get a rating if you pay them this money and all this other shit. Stay the far away from those folks. You, I'm gonna be honest with you. I submitted my own claim, and I went to a nonprofit organization that was actually that worked inside the VA hospital. They worked with paralyzed veterans that monitored my claim. That's it. I didn't have no, I didn't hire someone to do some special work or consulting. I went in, screened my own record, highlighted all the stuff between the paper and then what was in Alta, printed out all of that stuff. You know, you could, you could get it highlighted every time I went to the doctor, you know, every time I went to the doctor, every time I was diagnosed with something and just uploaded all that myself. And the only thing the, the, um, the, the, this this person did who worked for the paralyzed, you know, worked with paralyzed veterans, um, just monitored when I got my rating. That was it. So if anything, I'll caution any veteran, avoid paying these folks money to do this stuff for you. Because also, if I'm not mistaken, it's also a red flag too. It's a red flag when you, especially if you pay a physician to do and you don't use the VA stuff. So, you know, you just drawing more unnecessary attention to yourself. Yeah. And don't share your ratings too. That's what I also tell people. Keep your rating a secret. It's between you and your family. That is it. Do not don't do don't be one of those people on these Facebook pages posting a hundred percent like, are you out of your mind? You know, don't do that. Don't share nothing because what you what your situation is and how you went through the claim process is going to be different. It's different. Absolutely, man. And one thing that um, a lot of people haven't heard of and we promote right here, there's going to be a little code right here whenever our logo doesn't show up in this top right-hand corner. And it's called uh, Managing Your Transition Timeline 365. It's an app that helps you track out from 24 months before you get out. And this application essentially takes the same list that the Department of Defense created for your transition but it puts it into a computer form and then it'll even tell you a percentage of where you're at in your transition i'm 70 days out as of the date of this recording and i'm still only 91 percent done with my transition because this thing tracks you after your stuff as well so there's not that many tools that help service members in their transition but this my uh my tra transition timeline app it works. So, so you're not completely out, out yet? I'm 70 days out, brother. 70 days out. But so this way... you don't way, be on terminal. Oh, no. I'm 70 days out, retired, out of the Navy. Collecting. Right. But are you currently on terminal right now? No, I'm collecting a retirement paycheck, bro. I'm retired, retired. So, okay. Well, when you say 70 days out... Oh, 70 days out of the Navy. Oh, shit. I'm yeah. like... Yeah, even though I'm 70 days out of the Navy, like I'm done, okay. 
Okay. Make sure so you edit this blonde moment out of this damn podcast, okay? Hey, Mark. Edit Luther this. Luther owes you a beer. Luther owes you a beer. <laughs> edit this part out. Okay. All right. So back. So ninety-one percent, even after seventy days of being out of the military, and that's that's why this whole entire transition isn't done once you get out of the military it continues even afterwards. So there's a lot of stuff and steps that you have to take. Like you were saying disability, bro. That's a big one. That thing takes forever. And if you don't do the BDD, the, uh, what, uh, give me the acronym BDD before discharge. It's like, uh, Oh, oh you don't, uh- you talking about all of the uh, the uploading the claims and the exams and all of that stuff? Yeah, before you get out, if you don't take advantage of that BDD program, I yeah. think it's benefits before discharge. So that yeah, way, when day discharge, one yeah. you hit, oh, I, I didn't even do any of that. I just yeah. listen. I when I when I was in that window, that ninety day window, wherever the hell you want to call it. Yeah, I just started uploading all of my stuff. In the you know in the claims and then went to go see the person that was managing my claim you know and then started doing my exams the QVC whatever you want to call it um, exams and all of that stuff and then uh, just went from there um, you know so again that's why I'm like when I hear these people you know paying these organizations yeah. to help you it's like what are you doing I didn't do none of that VSOs are like so VSOs are volunteers like the I'll say an organization out there that will help you out. DAV. The DAV has free assistance to and help. That's the only thing that I will recommend. So the guy that um his, you know, the, the guy that helped me out. Um I mean, so while you're looking that up, uh let me do a little tangent on DAV. You know, these guys are all volunteers for the most part in DAV, and they will literally help you out if you're in california camp pendleton just realize that you're going to be waiting to get that appointment so you better not wait till that last minute you have yeah. from months yeah. 90 days of getting out that you have a window that you need to do and yeah. i would even double check those days because it changes things change and they have so many people that they're trying to help out it's essentially you go in there you better be 15 minutes early wait your exact moment for when they're ready for you. They only get an hour with you. Mm-hmm. And it's because they are trying to help out all these service members. But yeah. if you don't do those steps, then you'll be waiting forever. Yeah. So he basically, so this guy, he was actually part of the PBA. And I think that's Paralyzed Veterans um, Association. I think it is, but they worked in the VA hospital. So they weren't some, you know, and, and I never paid him a dime or anything like that. Um, so, you know, great guy that helped me out. Um, so, but the thing about it is I tell people one, keep your, keep what you get and how much you make to yourself. I would tell that to person, don't even discuss it with other veterans. If they ask you about, okay, how you fill out the claim process, you know, help them in that regard. Yes. You know, tell them, you know, and, and, and steer them away from paying someone, but don't ever share your rating with anybody ever, because what happens is, let's say they don't get what they think they deserve, then they start throwing everybody under the bus that supposedly got this percentage for this and this percentage for that. 
They will sit there and complain and say, well, this person got this and this person got that. So why did I get this? And so that's why I caution people, don't discuss your money unless it's with your family. That's the only people that need to know what kind of income, the, you know, the wife or the husband, you know, those, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Because look, my mother, like no one in my family, no one knows how much money I'm taking, taking home and they don't need to. As far as I'm concerned, they need to know that I'm struggling still. Life is hard. Don't ask me for nothing. It's just like whenever you win the lottery, right? That's one thing you would not do. I would, first of all, if I ever buy a scratch off, I'm going to be in my house by myself. Won't nobody even know I have a lottery ticket. Because I don't need to be getting hit over the head. But no. But no, the, I mean, as far as the resources, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, as much as I, I am an advocate for education, I have to understand that not everybody wants to go to college. But what I will tell you is that you need to not have you need to have something other on your resume other than a high school diploma. So if you don't want to go to college, then you need to think about trade schools. Right. And if you ain't if you type person that you ain't good with your hands, you need to have a come to Jesus. moment. <laughs> like, you know, what's it going to be? But um, no. I'm going to be, so it's funny because I actually was watching this podcast one time and um, the guy was saying that, you know, parents need to stop sending their children to college because, and he said that because he said AI is going to be taking over a lot of stuff. So a lot of jobs are going to be replaced with AI, but you can't replace AI with welding, you know, so. No, you can't, so, you know. And you know we can only use so many. Uh, can only use so many basket weavers out there, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think we should move on to the uh, saved rounds and alibis. Uh, okay. Do you have anything else before we get into the final round? No, let's do it. All right, man. So, what kind of content do you think that people who are transitioning should be absorbing? Um, well, this definitely, I think this will be, um, helpful, just candid conversations because, uh, you know, the more people you bring on here, um, they can share those, uh, lessons learned, um, as far as what's happening. Um, and then there's actually a couple of YouTube videos. I can't think of them off the top of my name, but they share about, okay, what, 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 what constitutes, um, uh, you know, what, what do you get when you get 100% versus 90% versus 80%? Um, and then they also caution you against, you know, you know, going back to the VA and applying for rating increases. Because, for example, if someone's at 90 and they try to go back for a rating increase, it may actually backfire on you. You may end up going back to 80. So, you know, you got to be careful about that. Um so I would definitely say this is definitely um, uh, one that I would um, uh, say content for transitioning veterans. Um, I will caution, and, and I'm going to just throw this out there, um, agree to disagree, but I would caution veterans who are chief, soon to be retired chief, senior chief, master chief, petty officers, to stay off a lot of these um, these these CPO pages, once they retire, stay off, detach, you know, from that, that Navy content because, and the reason why I say that is because what nothing drives me crazy when I watch, you know, retired veterans 
get mad because of the changes that the Navy are making. It's like it has nothing to do with you anymore. I remember when the, you know, the military started authorizing ponytails and you had all of these retirees, quote unquote, old salts losing their mind. It's like it doesn't pertain to you no more. Go fishing, go bowling, go do something civilian like with your life, you know. So as far as content, I'd say just stay away, detach from, you know, any type of uh, military stuff that doesn't really have nothing to do with your well-being in your transition. You know, let let that shit go. You know, like we, the background, what you got, Chris, going on, that's cool. What you got going on, Yogi, that's cool. You know, that's that's tradition, that's heritage. That's you just being proud of what, you know, what you contribute to the Navy. You know what I mean? But no, you, know, you know what these all are. These are these are just memories. Yeah, 100 percent. 100 percent. These are but, just memories. Like I could, I could yeah. go around and I could talk about the story about how I got. Right. Like people are like, how'd you get a seal coin? I'm like, well, because I helped the seal out. Right. You know, and then I could tell a story. Right. Or, hey, like where, where did this K bar come from? I could tell you about my tours in Afghanistan, yeah. where I carried that K bar. That K bar is my service service knife. Yeah. You know, like stuff stuff like that. You know, yeah. like. That's 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 stuff that's important to me, but I completely agree with you about detaching yourself from it because, bro, you, you did it. Congratulations. Yeah, like I'm not even on the, I'm not even on the, the AZ pages no more. I left. I I I, I, stopped, I stopped following the AZ pages. I, I, I just muted it. I just muted it. You know, yeah. I, I, just I, muted, I, yeah. I left. I left basic mentoring. I left that. I'm like, okay, what's being what's being discussed right now doesn't pertain to me no more. And I'm and I'm I am in, I am in nowhere, any shape, form, a part of any CPO pages. And I do that for a reason, um, because um, one, in order for me, I don't want to be one of those people who like when I was in the Navy, because when I was in the Navy it doesn't matter in 2023. It really doesn't in the grand scheme of things. And then plus, you know. You know, I, I love our brothers and sisters, but sometimes they get a little bit too much on some of these pages. You know, I'm like, y'all talking like y'all about to storm the Capitol. I can't be a part of this right now. So I'm about to, to leave, you know, but um, but no content. Definitely this podcast to anybody. Um, I think this podcast is very beneficial um, to, you know, people transitioning that have just transitioned that are still trying to figure their life out because for some of us it take you know for for me you know i figured it out real quick you know i actually figured it out before i retired for some people they don't have that luxury right because if you're an ab or you're in engineering all you're thinking about is just what you what's in front of you right now right so you don't have time to really think about what tomorrow is going to be like because you got to worry about what's happening today um, so I get it if the transition is going to be hard for some of, you know, the, the veterans out there because of the job that they had. I think for us being administrative, you know, it was a little, it, you know, we got a little, you know, a little wiggle room to be exposed to other things. So I hope I answered that question. I think you did. So I have a two-parter for you. Mm-hmm. What would you do or what would you say if you could go back in time to that guy that was going to join at 20? What kind of advice would you give him as foreseeing his side in the military? 
I would tell them that the, 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 the adults, the grown, grown people that are taking bets that you're going to fail, you know, they just wasted all their money. They're going to waste their money. Um, you're going to be okay. You're going to have some ups and downs. Um, you know, all of the, the all of the, 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 you know, people telling you, you ain't going to be shit. You know, you're going to, you're going to end up getting the last laugh, but don't waste your time going back and, and addressing the naysayers. Cause, cause I will say, you know, people that are waiting for you to fail and thinking for you that are waiting for you to fail, they're watching. So you don't need to tell them shit, you know? So just, you know, keep moving and don't look back. That's what I would tell my 20 year old self. I would tell my 20 year old self that this, you, you graduating high school at age 20 is not going to be nothing 23 years from now. That is actually going to be a testimony that you can use to encourage other people to do better in their life. You know, yeah, you're ashamed of this right now. You just kind of want to just keep this a secret and don't really want to tell nobody because you're embarrassed. But trust me, it'll be a, a, a testimony that you will be able to share with other people. So that's what I would tell my 20 year old self is just you're going to in, in a nutshell, you're going to be OK. You're going to be better than OK. Twenty three years from now. Beautiful. And then I know you kind of addressed it multiple times, but what advice and how early would you give to yourself before getting out now with everything that you know? Okay, so, um, well, I did the most, I feel like I did the most important part of getting before getting out, and that was making sure that I had something other than a high school diploma, right? And then I'm not even talking about the doctorate shit, the, the bachelor's, and I'll, I'll share that with any veteran. You know, you just getting a bachelor's or some type of certification, you know, you're good, you know, plus your military experience. Um, so I did that part right there. I would say the the other part just in preparing to get out is just really, really pay attention to the resume part. Because in the beginning, I was submitting three-page resumes. <laughs> Thankfully, there was this thing, it was called Hire Vets or Vets Hires. And there was this lady named Miss Rodriguez um, who was super cool. She called me and said, hey, you actually meet the requirements, but I need you to get this resume down to one page, sir. So she is the one that explained to me and what, and what she what I didn't know. And I don't think tap class paid, you know, really explained this. But there's this thing called ATS. Mm. It picks up on keywords. So anytime you submit a resume, you just can't submit a, a one all resume. You, that resume always has to be tweaked to the job description. So you got to make sure like the key things that they're looking for are interesting in that resume. So I would tell any veteran is to start focusing on building that resume, your LinkedIn, all of the things that you have, the skills that you have in the Navy, all those eval bullets, you need to figure out a way to convert those to um, civilian speak, right? Sure. So you're not a chief petty officer, you are a man, you can be either a program manager, uh, organizational development, you know, uh, human resource manager, you are not a chief petty officer. If you look on my LinkedIn right now, and Chris will tell you this, I have 
everything is, you know, my time in the Navy, I was either in organizational development or human resource management. That is what I have as far as my Navy, not sailors. Sailors are trained, changed the personnel, uh, all the CPO 365 stuff uh, that was, you know, if you look on there, on there, the CPO 365, I don't have CPO 365. I said trained mid-level managers on how to assume uh you know, in preparation for assuming senior leadership positions. That's how I described my job when I was the, the phase one uh, CBO 365 coordinator. So it's all about changing all of your stuff to civilian speak, civilian speak. So I tell any chief petty officer when they say, well, you know, I was an AB. No, but you also focused on organizational development. Send me your resume. Watch me work, you know. Yeah, man. And man. There's so many, there's so many uh, little bombs that you dropped in there, man. And the ATS part, people are like, "Oh, how do I figure out what does?" Uh, uh, for example, in the medical field, if you're a corpsman and you're a radiologist, uh, radiologist, technologist, or something like that, or rad tech, right? I think it's OneNet. If you go to OneNet, you type in. I think there's a there there is a um a, a database out there. Um, Lord forgive me for forgetting this, but there's a database where we can type our rates in there. Yeah, and it pulls up the civilian equivalents. I yeah. just can't think of it for my life right now. So it's not one that one that's the you know the uh, NMCI of Japan. But uh, <laughs> are you sure? Let me let me go yeah. on my no, but it's iPad. Pro. It's People. like I think it's like one source. I think it's like military. Oh one. yeah, or, or or is it Onet? It might be. It is Onet. It's Onet. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, and then also you could go to Indeed, and you can look up job descriptions, and then you mm-hmm. can take mm-hmm. your stuff, and that's where you should be looking. Mm-hmm. For a resume yeah. and re- LinkedIn profile. Yeah. Like saying take that. Take right. yeah. Indeed. And get the job description of that that job because it tells you for right. every one of them. Then that's how you do it. And I'll give you guys a little hint. I, I cheated a little bit. I used Chat GPT. <laughs> oh, you didn't write no damn papers and submitted them to me. You fine. But I think too also um, when when it comes so when I look at you know some of the you know transitioning veterans on LinkedIn and they have their 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 jobs and it's written you know, whatever machine is made. And I just be wanting to tell them like, listen, you need to update this, this, this thing. Cause all you're going to do is like any, you know, these, these job places, they're going to just go blow past that. You know, that's how I ended up getting my first, uh, my, actually I ended up getting my first uh, teaching gig was through LinkedIn. The person reached out to me, they looked at my profile, but my profile wasn't written up like a Navy profile, you know, it was written up. Everything is civilian speak. So I'll tell any chief, anybody that's a leader in the mess, you know, you know, use, you know, look at what 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 organizational development is. Organizational development is all about team building, facilitating, uh, solving problems, stuff like that. That's what we do as chiefs, right? Yeah, yeah. We facilitate. We collaborate. We we build teams. We you know facilitate psychological safety. At least we supposed to. Um, you know, so listen, I you send any chief to me with they with they eval bullets and I will turn those I can turn those into, you know, 
some uh, doable uh, civilian organizational development, organizational leadership uh, 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 job boards. Yeah. So I'm about to send you my, my stuff then. Okay. Yeah. Send it. So long story, but you know what though? I wouldn't trade that Chiefs mess in the Nimitz for nothing in the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't trade them for nothing in the world. When I tell you, when I tell you, I love them with all my heart. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, but um uh but that was a challenging tour, but you know. When I started, you know, going making my little trips to Seattle, I was like, this city's not the same. This ain't the city I remember. You know, this ain't the city I remember. So I'm actually going there for a friend's birthday party um uh here soon. And I'm actually staying in Pioneer Square. And I just I'm I'm a little my anxiety because I, you know, I saw the the documentaries uh Seattle is dying. Oh man. That hits that that you know what's crazy is they're still voting the same type type of people in office. That's what's wild. That's what's wild is they're still voting the same type of people in office. It's even the same thing in Chicago. Those people are pissed in Chicago, but you're still going to vote the same type of folks in office. So it's like if you don't want this to happen, quit voting for those type of people that don't care about you. And that's a totally different subject. That we and can- listen, now I'm not wondering, you know, yeah. Yeah. already got a, 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 a Listen, after, 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 after he finished editing this thing out, it's going to be like a three-minute conversation. <laughs> how, how did you get in the right mindset of transitioning? Um, So for me, you know what started it, if you really want to know the truth, um, the last season that I – the second to last season um, that I ran the training, because, you know, they used to be my shit when I was in – you know, in the Navy, I don't know if you heard, but, you know, I used to run a mean training program during the season. Um, uh, I remember we we did this, we we merged with the HSM squadrons and we did the damn thing. It was amazing. Um, uh, but I remember sitting here and it was like almost 40 of them. They get a pin and we were at the cantina. And I said, you know what? What in the F am I doing here? You know, I'm thinking that I still need to stay in the Navy because the Navy needs me. I was like, no. So I went and took my ass back to work, got on NSIPs and put in my request for fleet reserve. And so for me, I think being able to the, the mentally being prepared was easy because I made the choice. It wasn't one of these situations where you see a lot of our brothers and sisters. Well, if I don't make senior chief this year, I guess I'm going home. You know. Um, if I don't do X, Y, if I don't make nine this year, I guess I'm going home, you know, you know, so they, they, they hanging out until the last straw. So for me, I had already mentally prepared myself for this and, you know, being, having gone to school, worked on my bachelor's and my master's, I had already been exposed to what this, 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 this degree kind of jobs, this degree is going to get me. So I already always had in the back of my mind knowing what I can do. So, you know, when I did decide to drop and pull the plug, pull the trigger, you know, it wasn't one of these situations where, oh God, you know, my life is going to be over. How am I going to survive? Because I had already been exposed to some, you know, taste of civilian life through my education. So for me, the mental preparation, um, there's still anxiety. Let, Let me be very fucking clear about that, right? Because, you know, 
anxiety, like, okay, you know, because I know that you, if you and I disagree on some shit, um, uh, Chris, I can go into an office and we, you know, we can just cuss each other out for a good hour and it'd be the fuck okay. You know, I know that that can't happen in the Navy, you know, or in the civilian sector. That's called creating a hostile environment and you could get, you know, taken in handcuffs, you know what I mean? Even just for, you know, getting in verbal altercation, you can get escorted out of the building. So I just knew, for me, the anxiety of how I, you know, interact with people, you know, because, you know, in the Navy, you know, you can do that shit talking and, you know, stuff, you know, on the civilian sector is kind of very little different touchy-feely, you know, um, uh, and I'm not going to say touchy-feely, but, you know, you just, there's too many laws. So just the anxiety of how am I going to interact with civilians? How am I going to interact with people that don't know shit about the Navy, right? And so one of the things that I made sure that I knew of condition myself for was, first and foremost, don't nobody give a shit about you being a senior chief. No one's going to, I already had already, I already knew that no one's throwing a fucking party for you at your new job. No one's going to say thank you for your service. No one's going to say, ask you what it was like being a senior chief. You know, none of that's going to happen. You know, so you just got to, I think for me, understanding that no one's not going to go give a shit about me being a senior chief was, I think, the the uh, one of the best ways you can prepare yourself mentally, you know. Because there's a, there's actually a article out there, and it's actually by this person. Um, I don't know actually uh, by this business owner, and he's in his titles: ten reasons I won't hire you, and so or hire veterans. And one of the reasons he had on there was that a lot of veterans, mainly people who are senior leaders, think that they don't have to start over. And so for me, what helped me prepare mentally for this whole evolution was understanding that I'm going to have to start over understanding that, you know, yeah, I, you know, it's nice to think that you can command 150 to $200,000, but it's not going to really happen. Not going to happen like that. You know, you may just get a job where you're starting out at $83,000 and you need to be okay with that. And you need to manage your money. You need to be able to make sure that, you know, um, you, that, uh, you take in, a, you know, and just, you know, make it work, make it do what it do. You know, one of the good things, and this goes back to my, you know, comment about protecting your peace and your comfort, you know, you know, thankfully, because, you know, we can, we can take a, a, a an $83,000 job a year because we do have our VA benefits. We do have our, um, our, our income as retirement that supplements that. So the pressure to make get that high, because you got to understand with more money comes more responsibility. I got a friend that works in corporate America as a chief executive officer, and he doesn't ever sleep. I don't want that kind of life. And I make just about as much money as he does. So I'm rambling now. No, you're fine, because, I mean, that's something that the expectations of people don't know. They can, They think that just because they're going to go they were something in the military. They expect that they're going to be able to be able to do the same thing in the civilian sector. When in reality, it requires them to do a lot more commitment of different expectations, different realities. You no longer have that team that is there willing to support you. Yeah. You have to start all over the, all over yeah. again. So yeah. So I just, I just posted the article in there. 
Um, he says, um, and, and so the number one reason is he says, you cannot, you can't or won't accept that you're starting over. And right. so that's why I won't hire you. You believe you're unique just because you're a transitioning person that day. So basically you right. think you're unique because you're a veteran. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's true. It's sad, but it's true. So, you know, it's one of those things. Um, so one of the things I do kind of take offense by what he did say, he's like, you didn't proofread your resume. And I'm like, okay, I need you to stop there. Cause I, I've listened. I just, I just hired a bunch of adjuncts and I had to delete half those resumes because they was like, I don't know how you got a terminal degree, but, um, um, so, but there is a lot of good information in this thing. Um, um, as far as, you know, things that I think that veterans, um, need to know, but a lot of this can be alleviated if they actually pay attention to tap GPS, believe it or not. And you know, one of the things that kind of irks my soul with a lot of, a lot of people who are chief petty officers and, you know, senior officers in the Navy, they give their junior sailors so much grief about, you know, taking time off to go to, to tap class or their appointments. But then soon as your ass retire, you, 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 you want everybody to know that you on the road program. I always found that to be so hypocritical, so hypocritical. You know, people who are going to be separating should attend taps class twice. Yeah. And yeah. At least. There's just too much information that's literally dumped on you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, TAPS class or GPS or TRS or whatever it's called nowadays. Yeah. Uh, And not every single TAPS class is equal to to the other one. So if you do take a TAPS class and let's say you're in California, take the one offered by San Diego, then take the one that's up in Pendleton or Lemoore. Yeah. Take two different tap classes because different contractors that are teaching those classes different uh different organizations either marine family or navy fleet family or whatever army family coast guard family or you know whatever space has um space force (laughs) but go to those other ones you know so uh, let's get into the next one purpose Mm -hmm. What did it take for you to find your purpose? Oh, my goodness. So I will be 100% honest with you. When I retired from the Navy, I really did not have a purpose, um, you know, per se. Uh, You know, I just knew, you know, I knew what my purpose was in the Navy, right? You know, but retiring, it was like, okay, now you need a new purpose. Because you can't say your purpose is to sailors no more. Your purpose can't be, you know, uh, you know, serving our military and, you know, you know, helping sailors achieve their goals. That's no longer your purpose. So you need a new purpose. So I would say probably for a good two years, I didn't really have a purpose. I was working. I was doing stuff, but it didn't have a purpose. So it wasn't until I was at, um, uh, you know, facilitating my first Ph.D. residency and uh, where I did not, where I, where it clicked. A lot of people enter the workforce. Not everybody has the luxury of when they graduate high school, you know, to go and, uh, 
you know, get accepted in the university, go to the dorms, live the, you know, the college life. Some of people have to either go straight into the workforce and work or they've got it or they going in the military because, um, you know, they, that's how they got to get their, their, their college money because, you know, um, they don't want to owe 10,000, you know, a hundred thousand dollars of student loans, but long story short, not everybody is able to take that path of, you know, going to college and being living in the dorm. Right. So they got to do it the other way. I can identify with that. I know what it's like to do it the other way. I know what it's like to to take the road, um, the you know, go that other route. And so my goal, you know, my purpose is to help adults, adults who have had life happen to them, who have, you know, had to put things on the back burner for family or, you know, for whatever reason, achieve that education goal, even if that education goal is just an associate's degree. You know, how can I help you win, get a win? You know, what can I do? So for me, my purpose is helping adults achieve their goals and increase that self-efficacy so they know that they can accomplish something. Because some people, you know, a lot of adults, grown people, whether you're a veteran or whether you are a civilian, they think that that moment, a lot of them think that the moment's passed. A lot of them think that that moment is past and that they can't never get it back. And I say, bullshit. Because I will tell you at age 30, 30, I thought the moment at 31, um, I thought the moment to go to college and get an education had passed. And and I say this with 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 all humility. I have surprised myself. Because I'm telling you, if you told 20 year old Luther that he was going to have a doctorate and be a dean of a university. Ain't no way in the world. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. Ain't no way. So, you know, if 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 I can do what I can do, despite all of the 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 the, the, the screwed upness that you know my childhood was, then you can do what you can do to get your goals, you know. So, you know, and I always tell adults that it is not a race. You're not racing the person next to you. You're not racing the person on the life. The only person you are competing with is you. So, you know, that is that is that's just my two cents on that. Well, Dr. Carter, aka Luther, we truly appreciate you for having you and coming uh and sharing your wisdom. And being candid about it and being transparent about the whole, all the challenges and everything that you did to prepare yourself and also being able to shed light into the intricacies of wasting your GI Bill just to try to get some kind of, you know, BAH, BAS, and then you just stop that. Right. So we truly appreciate you. Uh, with that, I want to say again, thank you, and you're always welcoming our presence. Yeah, yeah, um, this is good. This was good. And the last thing that I have that that I would like to ask you is, how can our community reach out to you, especially the ones that are, like you said, following your advice and that are looking into their postgraduates degrees and stuff like that. 
So definitely they can reach out to me in that regard. And again, this is one of those things like if if, if the veteran is just, just getting started with their just associates, you know, I can be that, you know, that that lifeline to just point them in the right direction to where, okay, let's let's do baby steps here. You know, if they need, if they, if they, if, they, if, if, if you know people, veterans that are getting ready to retire, they got a year out and all they got is a high school diploma. Okay, we need to stack that resume up with something other than just that high school diploma. So I have a lot of connections and a lot of sources for, um, you know, um, uh, uh, getting certifications, accelerated certifications, because unfortunately, you know, if you got a year out, you can only do so many Navy cools, right? Um, so I will tell you that, you know, one of the things, um, start doing plugs for people who are in to take advantage of that Navy cool. I'm telling you, in retrospect, that is like my one of my biggest regrets is not doing the Navy cool stuff early enough. Perfect. All right, middle of that family. Hey, you got Dr. Luther here who went from being 20 years old and just graduating high school to becoming a senior chief petty officer in the Navy, then a doctor, then a dean. And now he is right here in front of you. Rewinds back to some of this content. Re-listen to it. He dropped a lot of good nuggets out there. It's not all rainbows and unicorns. As you all know, it is your transition. Take charge of it. Mildevet out.